before my grandmother died in 1997, she gave me several books, but these two are the most important of those books to me. They both belong to her mother-in-law, my great-grandmother. The first, uh, well, let me just say first, I, I didn't know my great-grandmother. She died before I was born. All I know about her is that she was short and stern and basically humorless. So she sounds like a lot of fun, I think, don't you? Um, I know she had a powerful influence on my grandfather, her son, and that my dad, who married her granddaughter, was scared to death of her. But these books tell a little more about her. The first is her Bible. And you know, if somebody shows up to church with a Bible like this, you know they're serious, right? I mean, you don't want a preacher to show up with this kind of Bible because you're going to be there for a while. Now, there's not a lot of marking in this Bible. It doesn't tell you a whole lot about what was important. There's a couple of verses written in the front, but beyond that, there's not a lot there. The other book is a Bible dictionary. And I don't know whether she used this for Bible study, you know, if she did her own personal Bible study. Maybe she did, but what I do know is that she probably didn't own a filing cabinet because she used this book to file everything that was of any value to her. Anything important went in the pages of this book. You'd find flowers that were pressed, I'm guessing probably after some kind of funeral, things like that, all the way through this book. And there's all kinds of interesting things as you work your way through the book. If you, if you looked on the pages uh, between 144, uh, 184 and 185, you'd find a clipping from the Marietta Daily Journal from Sunday, March the 2nd, 1941. And it's a clipping that shows the obituary of her husband, Orrin Gant. Okay, that's one little thing. There's lots of obituaries all the way through this Bible. If you turn back to page 453, you'd find a picture of a little girl. That's my mother, and uh, she's probably about two in that picture. All right? If you turned over to 225, you'd find the card for the Electrolux man, because you just never know when the vacuum might break down, right? If you turned to 242, you'd find a copy of the newsletter in the church I grew up in, Smyrna Church of Christ. This is dated, uh, I think, 1957, October, yeah, October 30th, 1957. Several articles, news about what's going on in the life of, ch of the church. But the reason she kept it, I'm sure, is because on page 5, there's a list of young women who had been baptized after a revival or a gospel meeting that they had. And one of those names is Lola Jean Gant. That's my mom, okay? So there's a lot here. This is a gift to me and in some ways an important legacy, a treasure for me. But for most of you, it would be pretty meaningless, wouldn't it? There's no names in there that you really know. There's no obituaries of people who are family to you. But there's all this that's there for me. And the question is, what do I do with this? What do I do with this book what do I do with all the information, the heritage, the legacy that's passed on as a part of this book? You know, we're dealing with some important questions right now in the series that we're closing today called The Big Questions. And each one of us has been given some kind of legacy. I hope that you have people that you can look back on and say, and this person encouraged me, this person taught me, this person challenged me to be a better Christian or a better coach or a better teacher or a better engineer or a better farmer or whatever it is you do. 
There's something that they challenged you to do more and made you a better person. So what do we do with that legacy? And the next question that follows on the heels of that one really quickly is this. What will I leave behind? What will I leave behind? My great-grandmother died some 50 years ago. Her name doesn't come up very often. Usually when it does, it's in relation to this book. What are people going to be saying about me and you 50 years after we're gone? What kind of legacy are we going to leave? What important things are we going to leave behind? Something that will matter. And maybe even if they're not talking about us, and that's okay, what effect, what impact will we have on the people that we knew and loved, and maybe even beyond that, people that we've never met and maybe never will meet? What about that? You know, when we think about what's been given to us, we could sort of look through a couple of lenses. Maybe one of those lenses is, is us as individuals, that, that personal lens of everything that people have built into me. What do I do with that legacy? What do I do with it? Do I just sort of hold on to it, try to fulfill everything everybody thought I should be, try to be the same thing that the people were who came before me? Or do I take it and do something else with what has been given to me? We could look at it through the lens of the church, our life together. There have been Christians who have been worshiping under this name, Taylorville Christian Church, for over 50 years. Many of you were there or a part of that near the beginning. And you've been faithful and worshiped here and served here and people have learned here and people have gathered around the Lord's table faithfully every Sunday all these years. And for those of us who are now inheriting that legacy, it is powerful. What will we do with it? Will we hold on to it? And try to keep everything just the same so we can honor those who have come before? Will we try to be like those people? Or will we take this legacy and do something with it? What are our choices there? And what will we leave behind for the people who come next? You know, I think about that, and, and Charlotte Thomas comes to my mind. Charlotte was in our church in North Georgia. She was an older lady by the time I knew her, in her 90s. And Charlotte had lived a really interesting life. She grew up in Atlanta, and when she was a kid, she played with the Woodruff girls. Now, if Woodruff doesn't mean anything to you, think Coca-Cola, okay? That kind of family. Money. And she had spent her life with her husband and her two kids and grandchildren. And by the time I knew her, several years before, she had had a couple of tragic years in which she lost her husband and her only daughter and her only son. And if you went in her house, what, would you, what you would find in Charlotte's house is that since that time, since those couple of years when everything fell apart, nothing in the house changed. Furniture wasn't moved. Things on the wall were never moved. It was all just as it had been. In many ways, a museum to a life that was over. But you know what happened. Charlotte passed. And all those things that were so valuable that she was treasuring and holding in their specific place 
Her grandchildren came and divided them up and sold some of them, sold the house, and it was all dispersed. It was over. And so we have to decide, do we want to create in our lives or in our church a museum, or are we looking for something more? Is it good enough just to preserve the past, or are we called to to do something with what has been given to us and make it meaningful in a different way? And certainly you can tell where I'm leading with that. What are we going to do? Because it seems to me it's not good enough for us to spend our lives preserving something that once was. So how do we take this incredible gift that's been given to us by people who loved us, whether they're in this church or maybe somewhere else, how do we take all of that and do something that pleases God, something that is worthy of spending our lives doing? And what will I leave behind when it's all over? museum or something active and alive? I want us to look at a couple passages today. They're, they're both found in the book of Philippians, and uh, they're, they're Paul's writings, and he's writing to these, these Christians that he's visited before, people he's built into, people that he's spent time with, taught the, the message of Jesus, encouraged, and now he's encouraging them once again. We also know that Paul is in this position where he's under arrest, he's facing trial, he's facing possible execution, maybe he's going to be released, and there's all this interplay on how he's going to respond to that. And in in chapter 1, beginning in verse 20, we read a little about that. Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. So when I face this trial, and maybe even face death, it is my prayer that I won't be ashamed of what I do but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says this life for him is all about Jesus. If we're going to make it meaningful. If it's going to matter, it's all about Jesus. That's what we pass on. That's what we give to the next generation. Now, we've been given this great gift, and it's faithfulness to Jesus, and it's how the the generation before us has served Jesus. Now, what do we do? We take that, and it's up to us to figure out, okay, how do we do that in this setting, in this place, at this time, so that we can pass that faith on to the next generation. You see, Paul is telling us that our mission is our legacy. Our mission is our legacy. That's what we're passing on. We can give lots of things, you know. We can put lots of things in a will, But what matters is this mission that has been given to us. Paul continues the thought in the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 17, uh, verse 15. I'm going to read verse 14 to give you the context, but focus in on 15 through 17. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. 
And then he has this image of Christians. Then you will shine among them in, like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of faith. Now, hold on. We'll come back to that in a second. But do you get this image? He's painting this picture of the world around them. He's living under the Roman rule, Roman Empire, just like the Philippians were. Corruption, sin, all this is going on around them. And Paul says, you, Christians, though you're few in number, it is as if you've been scattered across the sky. And when you look at the sky, what you see are the stars. The blackness, the dark is there. But we as Christians are the light that's laying on that darkness. And we see that. And it's powerful. That's who we as Christians can be. He goes on. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Now, hear what he says. He wants to be able to boast in the end because of what they're doing. Okay? He has given them a legacy. He has gifted them with faith and encouragement and growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says that is going to give him a reason to boast because they're taking that and they're living it out. Verse 17, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Paul says, I'm like a drink offering. You remember what that is in the Old Testament? Usually when we think of offerings in the Old Testament, what comes to mind is bulls and goats, but there was also the the drink offering. And and they would take wine and they would pour it out on the altar of God. Now, why do they do that? Because once it's poured out, can you get it back? No. It's gone. And it was the people of God taking something that belonged to them and pouring it out on this altar because then it's God's. You can't get it back. And Paul's saying, my life is like that. That's what I'm doing with my life. I'm not holding back and seeing what I can accomplish in the name I can build up, the reputation I can create, the wealth I can accumulate. Instead, what I am doing is I want God to take me and I want him to pour me out so that there's nothing left. Nothing left. You see, the mission is the legacy. Paul could accumulate a lot of things. Any, any Bible teacher could do that. Lots of knowledge. Maybe be, to be known as this person with the power behind his teaching. Maybe to be known as a person who encourages. And Paul says it's not about potential. It's not about building up a name. It's about action. It's about being poured out so that when it's over, I've given everything. There is nothing left. That's what Paul wants. To be poured out like an offering. Our mission is our legacy. So how do we live that? You know, we as Christians, we come together in this place. And even this room is a gift, a place where we can come and worship. This body, the group of believers that are here, are a gift because people have worked hard for many years to build this church. And so here we are. 
what shall we do with this gift so that we have something to give? I think it's up to us to take it. And in, in light of Scripture, in light of God's Word, to reinterpret it, to renew it, to allow it to grow and flourish in a new way, not like a museum, but like a living organism, so that we're reaching out and doing something in the name of Jesus. You know, we've worked as a church on our mission. We want to love God and love others. That's nothing new, is it? And Ken led us in reading a scripture that points right to that that's 2,000 years old. Jesus gave us that. We didn't invent it. What we're trying to do is rephrase it and renew it and live it out because that's just what Jesus intended. He didn't intend for us to just memorize it. He didn't intend for us to just repeat it. He didn't intend for us to break it down and examine every word there. That's great too. But he intended us to live it. And by living it, to be poured out so that there is nothing left of us. We're spent because we've given it all in the name of Jesus. I think that's Paul's goal for us, Paul's goal for the church in general. There's one more passage that I want to read today as we think about celebrating the past and celebrating the legacy that we've received and thinking about how we take that and then pass it on to the next generation. There's a passage that goes back really to the words of Jesus. Paul records them, but he says this in 1 Corinthians 11 in a pretty familiar passage, for I, Paul, received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So Paul has received something as a legacy from Jesus. He's passed it on to the church. But then what does he tell the church to do? Listen to this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And we all say, Well, yeah, we do that every week. That's part of our worship. It's part of who we are. It's part of the identity of this group of people. But then verse 26, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, what does Paul say we do? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're doing something with it. Paul received it. Paul passed it on. The church received it. They practiced it. They lived it. They shared it with one another. And as they did that, what happens? They pass it to the next generation. They proclaim the Lord's death. The mission the mission becomes the legacy. They're passing it on. You know, I didn't tell you everything that is found in this book, all the stuff that's filed away here. It's not just sort of artifacts of family history and cards for people you call when something breaks down. There's some other stuff. Let's get the next picture, Bill. This is a clipping from a magazine that we have out in the foyer now. It looks a little bit different now. I think this is from the late 40s, early 50s. This is The Lookout. This is a Sunday school lesson. My great-grandmother was a teacher, and she was always looking for ideas for her teaching. Let's get the next couple, Bill. These are just notes, 
And there, this book is filled with her notes from teaching the Bible. Now, I read through some of what she says, and honestly, it's a little tough. She was legalistic, all right? Strict, okay? But what I see here, and you can do the last one, what I see here is, for me, a legacy that includes a love of Scripture and taking this book seriously and digging out it down into it and figuring out what it means to live it out. That's a legacy that was given to me because my great-grandmother passed it to her son, my grandfather, and her daughter-in-law, my grandmother, because my grandmother, her family was just fractured. So here's this woman who becomes central in her life and one of her missions is to teach Scripture, and it's passed to my mother and to me. And the question is, what will I do with it? And then, what will I leave behind? How will I pass that, this love of God's Word, this desire to live it out? How will I pass that to, to my daughters, to people I have an opportunity to build into and encourage and teach and challenge. We all have this in different ways, right? I mean, for some of us, it's teaching. For others, it's going to be serving. For others, it's going to be leading or worship or whatever it may be. How will you take what you have been given? How will you reinterpret it and renew it and use it to leave a legacy for those who come behind? It's the mission the mission that we've been given. We can pass on lots of things, and we probably will. Some of you will pass on money, and some will pass on a name that has respect, and some will pass on land and all sorts of things that may be part of a will. But more than all of that, we have this mission of Jesus that we've been called to pass. That's what we leave behind. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for what we've received from people who have come before us. And really, that goes back 2,000 years. We're thankful for what they've done, and we're thankful today, for especially for the people in our own lives and in the life of this church who have left important things for us to, to take and to live and to pass on. God, help us to be a people who take this seriously. Help us to be a people who leave something for those who come behind. So we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, maybe you've come to this place and you recognize it's time to make a decision. You want to become a Christian, you want to be baptized into Christ, or you want to be a member of our church. If you've made either one of those decisions, we want you to let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.